0: Hello and welcome to the A to Z Sports Preds Nashcast, aka Ellie Tolkien's Line Mate Shuffle Bonanza. I am your host, Alex Darty, and I'm joined by my co host, Chris Link. Today on the show, the Preds went 2 and 1 this week uh, with wins over the Red Wings and the Blue Jackets. We will look at those games, see if any positive patterns emerged, uh, see if we can take anything away from that. Um, We will, on that note, we will discuss whether the Predators should be winning or losing from here on out. A discussion that we don't normally have with the Nashville Predators, but uh, the age-old question. Should they tank or should they not tank? Link will give his thoughts. I will give mine. All of this and more on today's show. Link, how are you doing? I know you have some cool news.
1: I am, uh, I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I'm a little bit tired. Okay. Um, We had our... New puppy Samosa arrived yesterday and she was uh, a, a, just a just like a rock all yesterday she was so nervous and then sometime after I went to bed she came alive and has been just a uh, you know nutty puppy since <laughs> um, fortunately she went down for a nap just in time for us to record which is perfect yeah um, I would like to go down for a nap as well because I've been up since five. 3530 yeah, 545 just cuz she seemed like she was ready to get up and it was my turn so but yeah no it's she's really adorable make sure you follow if you're not following me on Twitter you you'll get a lot of puppy pictures
0: are you going to make an instagram for this puppy samosa not not no.
1: for the puppy i have an instagram um where i but and so there will be dog photos on the instagram got it um, but it's also where I post cocktails and food I don't food think I follow you on Instagram. There's not really a big reason to, but you certainly are welcome to. I mean, I'm not, like, here trying to get people to follow my Instagram. It's, like, for, for friends and people I know. So it's, like, well, you're more than welcome, Alex. Anyone else, anyone who listens is welcome. Just don't expect much.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of not expecting much, the Predators <laughs> <laughs> winning – Winning a couple games against teams we would expect them to win. Losing a game, obviously, as well. But uh, let's go in, in these in order and, and talk briefly about each game. So the so 2 nothing shutout win over Detroit. Pecorine, probably his best game of the year. Um, 24 saves, his 59th career shutout. You had two power play goals in that game. One by Philip Forsberg, one by Ellie Tolvanen. I wrote about this on our website about how similar they looked and how the pre- the power play really does look better. Um the the preds the preds were the better team in that game but you know not by much just enough to to eke out a two nothing shutout win what stood out to you about this game the first uh, win over Detroit
1: (sighs) this is gonna be this is the pattern this is the thing that I'm gonna say for most all of these the Predators are managing to look competitive against sub 500 teams that's what I thought about these games I mean at no point do I look at them and I say you know this is just the greatest thing ever. Um, I mean, outside of that one kind of aberration where they were, you know, they had the the expected goals that were in a different on a different planet. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good game from P.E.K.K.A. He looked really comfortable. Um, it was great to see the power play work. Now, granted, people were like, the power play's fixed. I'm like, it's the Red Wings.
0: Yeah. Guys, and they're getting, like, it's the Red Wings. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. getting bounces. Uh, they they have, I, 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 what, I think what I said was that the power play has finally decided to put Ellie Tolvanen on the top unit and with good players. Um, now I'm hoping that at one point, well, not hoping, I guess that's the wrong word, but I, I'm, I'm thinking that this will probably inevitably turn to Ellie Tolvanen being on uh, a good line, you know, consistently at five on five as well. I mean, I think that's, that's the next step. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean,
1: but it's still a huge, huge deal that the Predators can now ice a power play unit with two legitimate scoring threats on the wings. Yeah. And I, I mean, that just transforms that line. It also means that there's not so much pressure on that slapdash second power play unit oh, to get stuff yeah. done. You can now put, you know, you can now balance that out and maybe have two threatening units. And by threatening, I mean, you know, threatening like, like a cute little. Woodland critter, but
0: better, <laughs> uh, <laughs> threatening like a cute woodland critter. Um, so I, I think that the, the second unit is is pretty bad. Uh, however, you know their their production on the power play has improved, and I, I I mentioned this. They have over the last I think it's eight games or so have improved to about twenty five percent success rate on the power play, which mm. for the Predators is like. Um, another level. I mean, that's like elite for the predators. What's funny about that is 11 other teams in the NHL have over 25% success rate all season. So uh, plenty of teams are just like, Oh yeah, we, we get about one out of every four. That's pretty average. Predators Mm -hmm. are like, Holy crap. We figured it out. We can get one out of every four.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know,
0: I, I, that
1: was this thing I was, I think I was tweeting about earlier this week where I was just, frustrated with people saying that we're seeing progress in the power play i mean yeah you put another shooter on there but you also like you look at the teams they've they've been scoring against and gained that 25 percent clip on and all, th- these are teams that have pks that are in the bottom five bottom six or something in the league <clears throat> so yeah. they haven't solved the power play they have played against really <laughs> lousy pk teams yes that's very now. true when they roll out and play Tampa who's second in the league in PK and they're going to kill 88% of their penalties. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, <laughs> it, you know, it's a totally different thing and and that's that's what's so tricky um, when we get to the main topic for like a, a GM like David Poile make decisions is with these two game series especially when you play several weak teams back to back, you get results that are not going to be typical across the year. Mm-hmm. for a team that has played so far like the predators because it's not like they've been shut out amazing dominant against the trent columbus in these in these matchups you know we'll see today um you know that game's still coming up but yeah right Another they've NFL. been they've been fine <laughs> they've been competitive if this were you know 2006 then they'd be fighting you know the- then they'd be you know the would still be the elite super team that they were, and and you'd be like, yeah, they're they're going toe to toe Detroit every night. Hell yeah! Now it's really? like,
0: oh, huh.
1: Right. yeah.
0: So that that game uh, was it was a solid game, and then they followed up with a a five. These are both in Detroit. A five two loss to Detroit on Thursday, and this was more like what we've seen the rest of the year. Uh, the Preds just had no offensive punch. The, the Red Wings kind of brought it to him. But this game will be remembered forever as the Sam Gagne accidental hat trick game. Uh, he had three goals, and I would argue that at least two of the goals were not even attempts to score by Gagne. The first one probably was. Uh, he just shot – it was a ridiculous angle where he <laughs> shot it from the deep in the corner behind the goal line, and it got through Renee's skate. The second one was definitely a pass to the front of the net that went in off of Rene's skate. And the third one was just a long, like clearing uh, the puck. That was an empty netter. So the accidental hat trick game from Sam Gagne, which was pretty hilarious. Uh, not a great night for Pekka right after he has a good night on Tuesday. So that was, yeah.
1: Great. Yeah. And you know, I don't think it was entirely fair to Pekka with, with that game. Um, yeah. you know, given the weird nature of the goals, but man, the entire time, Detroit was getting into dangerous areas, taking dangerous shots, and Pekka was stopping all of them. I mean, that was... It, it, the, the numbers Pekka left that game with do not reflect the level of play that he had to put in to get even that... I guess really 4-2, because the, f- the fifth goal is an empty net. Um, it, it, I just don't think it's reflective. I mean, and, and the Predators played well... Also, I mean, I think at five, at, at, like across the game, I think the Detroit had like 3.7 expected goals versus the Predators three. I mean, yeah, again, they're competitive with sub 500 teams. So, you know, I'm like finding the, 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 uh, the haystack and a pile of needles here. Um, mm-hmm. the haystack, the, the hay and a pile of needles. It's just <laughs> like, I'm looking for the positives. <laughs>
0: Right, right, exactly. Yeah, it, it, uh, th- that there's not a lot of positives you can take from a team that um, should absolutely finish below you in the standings, uh, but very, very easily could not could beat you in the standings if you if you keep that up. And
1: they, they are they are a point behind the Predators, and they played left. three games more, so the Predators are in good position.
0: Yeah, but there was a possibility. You know, going into yesterday's game, which we'll talk about here next uh, against Columbus, um, the Predators were one point above. They had 16 points, and then all the teams below them had 15. That was the low; the the bottom was 15. If they had lost Columbus, and then if they lost, if they lose to Columbus today against, and Sunday, they could have end, ended the weekend dead last in the NHL. If if those other teams had won, if it was like Buffalo mm-hmm. and uh, maybe New Jersey and Ottawa, I think, and if, if those teams had won, which I don't think they did, but there was a chance that we were we were entering the possibility that the Predators could end the weekend. Dead last in the NHL, and that is not something that I thought would happen anytime soon. So, um, no.
1: Th- th- thankfully, Preds fans can always look to the Dallas Stars, who have played so few games that they always are at the bottom. Um, they just actually, I think, no. Ottawa is still, yeah. You know, Ottawa and Buffalo are still fighting for the for the sadness straps.
0: Yeah, I think Buffalo's probably. Uh, uh
1: well, Ottawa has an extra win, but oh, Buffalo's only played 18 games. But so. also
0: Ottawa doesn't look that bad. I've watched some of their games. They they're actually oh, like they look improved.
1: They have 15 points in 23 games. It's the I worst mean, in the good. league.
0: They're not good. They're not they're not I'm not saying they're good, but they they look better. Uh, <laughs> on, 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 yeah,
1: when you when you're expecting them to basically to, like as long as they don't like don't step don't into the ice and their their equipment just kind of falls off. <laughs> And they all kind of fall into like a pit in the middle. Yeah, you're, you're, you know, there's advancement, improvement going. Well, on. Well,
0: I guess what I'm saying is, I've watched a lot of early the a lot. I watched a lot of the Eastern Conference, whatever it's called. The I guess it's oh, it's, we like, we don't
1: have to be. We don't have to use their precious names. It's definitely Let's go them. with the Eastern Conference. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> I've watched a lot of them because they they come on earlier, and I just get to catch a lot. So I watch. I end up. I've ended up. I've probably watched a, a more Senators sabers oh that's Devils, rangers i've watched a ton of those games so you're talking the
1: north too so you're talking like east games and north yes
0: east, right yeah. exactly, yes okay the, and, and the north yes correct okay I'm um, with you. although i haven't watched as much vancouver calgary the, the western yeah
1: area. i feel i mean i feel a little bit bad for um some of these west coast like the, the in the canadian division where you have like oh god calgary and and uh you know Edmonton and and Vancouver, and you have all the eastern ones, and then Winnipeg. Um, and I can right. I say I'm just so thankful the Predators are in this this crazy central oh, it's thing. I mean, it's the it's the best. I, I if they keep these divisions post pandemic, I wouldn't mind.
0: Yeah, I mean the the game times are great. Uh, it's predictable. I mean, there's they're also happening more frequently, which is in um, in a is in a easier. Uh, but let's go ahead and talk about the Saturday uh, yes. win against Columbus. So the Predators get Matthias Ekholm back. He scores twice. Philip Forsberg called the two goals a laser and a muffin. That's how he described them. Uh, because like the breakfast. First one was like A breakfast. <laughs> he described them that way because the first one was a slap shot that was a really nice goal, and the, the second one was a somewhat somewhat of a lob, I guess you would say, a change-up yeah. towards yeah. the net. Kind of a,
1: kind of a, I mean, that was probably not a, I would argue maybe that was not really a shot attempt. I think Echo may have been trying to prick. I don't know. I mean, it's hard because I wouldn't,
0: yeah, like I think he was just trying to cause some chaos. It's something that Dante Fabro tries to do a lot and does not do well. Yeah, I mean,
1: but wrist shots from the blue line are like, those are difficult. You need a lot of power to do that.
0: Yeah, Shea, Shea Weber. For all of the type people talked about his uh, his slap shot, like he was really good at accurately placing those wrist shots from the blue line just just to create some some mm-hmm. havoc. You know, like he was really good at that. Yeah. Um, as a number of uh, Predators defensemen have been over the years. But uh, so they win two one. Uh, they had to come back in that one. Columbus got the, the first goal, but they come back and they they honestly they pretty much dominated the Blue Jackets the rest of the game. I mean, it was it was not really that close. They uh, they stifled them. Um, they could. It really should have been about five one, something like that. I mean, uh, Corpusalo played well. Uh, some some pretty crazy bounces didn't go the Preds' way, but Yusei um, Saros was great, and that's good to see because they have. I mean, they showed the they showed the, the stats for Yusei Saros on the board uh, before the game, and it was just like wow, it, you couldn't believe it was that bad. That if that guy can get going the Predators have a chance to, to be good again. I mean, it's just, there's no way around it. I mean, like, Yuzi Saros can play, like, a top five goalie in the league. We know he can. And if they well, do that, they can win games.
1: Yeah, I mean, if he can do it, uh, you know, I, you know I'm a fan. I'm a big, big fan of Yuzi Saros. But it's just, he, he's been lacking the consistency. Some days he's just, he's just not dialed in the same way. Um, I think him and, and Pekka fighting for that time seems to be the best situation. I don't know what the, the near term solution for that is if Pekka retires at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know if Connor Ingram is going to be there to be that one, a one B with Soros. I mean, I think that's a fine setup that doesn't bother me one bit, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think the, that Columbus game was, I don't know if there's anything duller in the NHL right now than watching Columbus play Nashville. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, these guys are, t- are like so far behind yeah. when it comes to actually generating real offense. Like, like Very true. They, they threw a ton of stuff at the net. They looked real busy, but when it came to actually like creating real scoring chances, I mean, you know, if you look, if you take away like when Columbus pulled their goaltender, it's just like, man, guys, yeah, po- you know, th- th- There's no, no really good chances coming from these teams. Now I think,
0: mm.
1: you know, Columbus was a bit better about it, so credit to Soros for only really letting one in. But man, I, if if Ekholm doesn't score those those two goals from the point, the Predators really have had very little going beyond that. So I, I was I was concerned. Um, just watching it and really being really thankful that Eckholm was like, you know what? I'm back. I'm going to make a statement.
0: I'm going to raise my trade value. There you go. Yeah. Mean, up. His trade value is pretty high right now and he's back from injury. So that he's eligible to be traded and there's, there's a lot of talk around that. I mean, I, it could very well happen and that kind of leads wow. us to our, our, our yeah. main story, but, or go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's he
1: could, he could really be for a lot of teams, a game changing defenseman. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he's arguably a top pairing defenseman. I think that, I don't think it's difficult to argue that I think he has the capability to to step in and it's not often that a number one, number
0: two defenseman is just available on that kind of contract. So I saw someone saying there was uh, fans are so, so silly, man. Uh, like I was, I was watching not, not just Pred fans either, but I was looking at some stuff that some fans of teams like the Flyers, uh, the Rangers, um, uh, capitals were, were saying uh, <laughs> people were like, or and, and the Leafs as well. Obviously Leafs fans are insane, but um, th- people were like, well, Ekholm's good, but we don't need another lefty. We need a right-handed defenseman. And it's like, come on people like you left handedness is an important trait. It's an important thing to keep in mind, but it is not even close to like it's not the it's not even like the top three things that that Ekholm is like good at or should be traded for it by some team like it, if if he was right handed he would be just as good as he is left handed like it it's almost just like a, a just it's almost like his jersey number at this point like he's good at. Several things, and he's would be good for a lot of teams at several things. It's just so silly that people are like, "Well, we don't need a left-handed defenseman. We need to go get a righty." Yeah, I mean the only the, the only way that our argument really works for me is if you
1: think that a a certain-handed goal goalie, a certain-handed defenseman can only play certain sides of the ice, and so you're like, "Oh, well, if he can't play yeah on the right, then we don't need him because we need a guy who can play on the right." I'm like, if let's just let's just say something wild. Let's say that that Toronto really turned on Nylander. Would you would you turn down that trade because he doesn't because sh- you really need like right. I can't, I'm trying to remember if he's a left or right winger, um, but you know, like- you know would you like yeah I wish I don't know I don't know the top of my head, uh, but if like would you turn that down just because he would have to play in his off wing? No, I yeah. mean like it. it I, I just don't get that perspective. Like <laughs> if there's a good player and you can improve your team the coach can figure it out. Like play him on the second pair on the left and move someone else to the right. If you're that concerned, then you have your elite defensemen spread out a little bit more. It's it'll be fine. Yeah. You're going to be better regardless.
0: Yeah. Uh, I,
1: I just think f- fans often get a little bit nervous when it comes to acquiring big players because they like the big exciting names. And well, at is not a, a big name just because he's a Nashville player and not Philip Forsberg. Um, right. And he's on team with Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis. Um, man, this, the Predators are so lucky with the defensemen. Um, they just they they get really protective over prospects. And granted, the Flyers, for example, where a lot of this chatter has t- taken place, mm-hmm. have some really good prospects. I mean, if you were to get any of their top five prospects, you have
0: an NHL starter probably, like hands down, different probably a guy who can make a difference. Let's talk about that at some point. maybe not today, but like at some point I'd like to get your take on that because I think that's that's the main trade partner, right? Is is at home could be going to Philadelphia. It's a popular
1: destination.
0: Yeah. So um uh, we'll definitely talk about that and, and sort of in the, in that vein uh is our our main sort of topic tonight is you know, should the Preds be winning or losing at this point? I mean it is not it's not it's never an easy question um about embracing the tank should. and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of factors here. Um, the current standings don't look good. Um, there's not a lot of games left. If you look at how they are getting their points, they are against Columbus, Detroit, and Chicago. The Predators are eight and three. So eight of their nine wins come against those three teams against Tampa, Dallas, Carolina, Carolina, and Florida. They're one and eight. And their only win there was that crazy comeback win over Florida. So, like, they got dominated in a lot of those games, almost all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, on top of that, they don't play Detroit and Chicago again until later in March, about a month away. And they don't play Columbus again until May. So they're done getting these cupcake wins over Columbus for a while. Um, so what is your thought on this? Uh, should the Preds be winning or losing? Uh, I'll, I'll give my thoughts, but I want to hear yours first. Yeah. Uh, should, should, they, should they try to embrace the tank? Uh, just go ahead and start selling. What do you think?
1: Yeah, so I I think if the team's goal is to win a Stanley Cup, they're not going to be doing that in the next three or four years. How the organization's structured right now, um, they don't have elite players coming up to replace players who are getting older, and that is definitely true on defense. I mean, Ekholm and and Yossi are just every year they're a little bit older. Um, you know, they're both. I think they're both getting into their they're both in their thirties. Mm-hmm. um and so you know, are they going to be these guys who play until they're 40 possibly maybe not i mean I, yossi plays like 25 plus minutes a night he's going to burn himself out um so yeah if they want to win a stanley cup they need to move assets bring in you know, guys who are still in, in juniors or in college who are really highly touted, or, or you know, first year AHLers who are really going to step up, or, you know, really good young prospects, draft picks, clear out as many bad contracts as you can if you can. Even if you have to eat a little bit of retained salary in the meantime, you're just playing the long game. Um, that's how they're going to have to get themselves set up for success. They need to go out and find the talent and build from within because that's how teams find success for the most part, they, they, they get the talent through the draft. They make good trades and they make it happen. Um, that being said, I think that there is a cultural aspect to the natural predators that should be considered, which is, this is a team that since day one has set out to be competitive and fight every night. It doesn't matter how good or bad the skaters are, the goalies are they want to be in the fight and scrapping, even if it's a losing battle. And that's, I, I think part of that is that it was, you know, mandated from the top. Like we need to have an entertaining product. We need to have, you know, we need to be competitive so that we have people buying tickets, but it's also sort of embedded itself in the, the team and, and the fan culture. Um, the, the fans have very rarely seen bad predators teams. Yeah. Um, and even then it was bad. seen as an aberration. Like, the last time it happened, it was an, it was. I really felt like an aberration because they recovered very quickly. Um, but I don't know what the recovery path is given the cap situation, given the the pipeline. Um, I just don't know what that looks like. So I, I think what needs to be done is to start kicking off the rebuild. But I don't know if culturally
0: that is something that the franchise can swallow. I think. Yes, uh, there culturally it is. It is a really tough situation for the Nashville Predators because, um, it, and com- compound this with the frustration of the fan base. You know, pre-COVID, there, there was there was frustration with the fan base pre-COVID on things like ticket prices, not being able to get into games, even though like it, it, even though the ticket prices were high, they were willing to to pay to get in. So like they they created this hot ticket right in twenty seventeen or or before that in through seven, 2017 and then all of a sudden it became this sort of contentious thing with the fan base where people couldn't get to get into games. The atmosphere dimmed a little bit. I think you could definitely say the, the, the atmosphere of games kind of dimmed and the, but the, the, you know, team ownership and the team sort of operations operated as if they were still 2017 cup, you know, Western conference champions. And it was like, you are very much not that, I mean, th- this is a very different team. So uh, the reason I say that is they can't, Tank. They absolutely can't because they will they will really be in a tough situation with their fan base who is angry that this team is not performing. And they they can't really be in that situation where they're just getting lottery picks a couple years in a row, uh, because fans are gonna be upset and they're gonna start canceling. They're gonna start they're all of a sudden they're gonna be in a situation where they have um they have a, a ticket problem on their hands again, and they don't want to be in that situation. They want to avoid that at all costs. So they have to remain competitive. My take is, I don't think that they're going to have a choice. I think that the deck is pretty much stacked against them at this point in terms of what's going to happen the rest of this month. I think they're probably going to continue losing. I think that the games themselves that they have ahead of them are going to just kind of dictate what happens. This may sound like a cop-out answer, but I think the tank is going to tank them. You know, um, I don't think that they're going to be able to do anything about it. Um, I think just, we've, we've talked a lot about this, the way the roster is construction constructed with John Hines in charge. It's just, it's just not working. You know, it's not consistently working. Um, I think that there's possibility that trades could improve things down the road, but obviously they're not going to trade and improve their team now. I mean, if they trade someone like Mikhail Granlund, for example, who's on an expiring contract, they're not going to get an equivalent player that plays now they're going to get like, you know, a third round draft pick maybe, or, or something yeah. like that. It's, it's yeah. not going to be something that's going to even improve them. Even maybe in a couple of years, it's just going to be like we need to just get draft capital, just collecting that draft capital. So, um, I, again, I, I think I think Matthias Ekholm the best trade piece right now. I think he probably gets traded. Doesn't sound like they really want to trade Dante Fabro, uh, which I think is a mistake um, because I think you can, <laughs> we've we've talked about that. But um, yeah, oh, we don't want to trade
1: Dante Fabro, but like also Matt Benning's available. I'm like, it's the same thing.
0: Like what's the difference? <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, exactly. So um, th- the Philip Forsberg thing has been out there. I don't think that that's going to happen this year. Oh, what or what a nightmare that would be. There, there's definitely a chance that that could happen next year when he's in his final uh, year of his, of his contract, which would be, yeah, that like, we've, we talked about that last week. That's, that's the nuclear option where you, you trade Forsberg for a pretty big haul. Uh, and if you do it in season, I think you get even better. You you get someone desperate that needs a, a great player like that to put them over the top. Um, you you do that next season, but um, I don't think that happens this season if it happens at all. Uh, but again, I so I think that the, the tank sort of happens to them. I, I don't think that they have any chance to to beat Tampa, Dallas, Carolina, Florida consistently, and that's who's on the schedule for like the next two months. So, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Uh, and the other thing I was gonna mention is uh, the we may have mentioned this before this year's draft is nothing special. Um, tanking to get a lottery pick. in this one is not going to alter your franchise for the future. Significantly. You'll get a good player. You'll probably get an NHL player, but nothing, you know,
1: and we should note based on what we know from the people who do this professionally.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, Yeah. So exactly. we're not draft experts. Yeah.
1: So I mean, so, you know, this you could find any draft could have a Pavel Datsuk. Any draft could have a guy who, you know, is even if, you know picking the top ten and is not super highly rated, but has a growth spurt or or have each a bunch of eggs in the off season, puts on twenty pounds of muscle and
0: mm-hmm. and
1: tears it up somehow. So you know, but yeah, you, you can. It, it's a the the bet is less in team's favor this year you know you having a bunch of picks is not going to make move the needle as much as it would like last seasons
0: there's an argument that they should they should more stock up on 2022 draft picks yeah i've seen
1: some of those where the 2022 draft picks are are considered worth more than a 2021
0: draft pick yeah which is there's obviously a lot of variables there i mean player players who are aiming for the 2022 draft pick are what 16 years old right now so it's like a lot can happen in your hockey game from 16 to 18, so it's okay. like there's there's not a lot you want to you want to bank on that. So, um, look, if they were to somehow win consistently enough to find themselves in playoff position at the end, you'd rather be in the playoffs than not. I mean, you, you'd rather them them make the playoff game, go play Tampa, lose in four or five games. Uh, you've you've made the playoffs. You've still got you, maybe you've made a trade in there to like build something for the future at the same time. So you know, I there's no doubt that this team is not a championship team, or even a competitive team in the playoffs. But um, if if somehow they were to string some wins together, find themselves in the excuse me find themselves in the playoffs, you know that that's not the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen is they they tank. They don't even get a top draft pick. They end up getting nothing out of their expiring contracts and Mikhail Granlund and uh, Brad Richardson and uh, whoever else it is. I don't even know what the. Well, I don't even know Eric Halla. Eric Halla, yeah. I mean, what's what, what's Eric Halla getting on the market right now? A fifth round draft pick.
1: I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have never seen a forward, an NHL forward, so adverse to moving his feet. <laughs>
0: Uh, he was not great yesterday either. So, <clears throat> um, man, it's, it's tough. Uh, I think the predators will probably, like I said, I, I, I don't think that they're going to tank intentionally. I think it's just going to happen to them, but, um, so, uh, yeah, the, 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 predators have four more home games this week. Um, uh, obviously the first one is today, later today, Sunday, um, against Columbus, that's a that's a big game you need to get. Uh, you need to get points there, and then they have three more home games against one against Carolina, which is the makeup game from the COVID canceled game, and then uh, two against Florida. Um, all all home games. Um, pretty big week if you're talking about trying to get back into it. Uh, if you're trying to to salvage what you can of this season. And uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Prids need a lot of points from these four games if they want to stay relevant, but you're they're, they're going to know a lot more about themselves at the end of, uh, at the end of right. Saturday.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to mention one thing really quick. Uh, I w- was doing some diving on this. I, you know, at the beginning of the show, we said that this show was, uh, the Ellie Tolvan and line mate shuffle bonanza. Um, Ellie Tolvan has played seven minutes with Matt Duchesne this year. And in those seven minutes, they've basically been like all offense 92% shot shot attempt four percentage like an 80% goal expected goals like crazy high numbers and 7 minutes granted is not a lot but it's not like 45 seconds you know it's it's something yeah something that shows you that they they have played together and they've played well when they're out there for for yeah. a small amount of time yeah
1: was something to build off of we'll see we'll see what Hines does who knows
0: yeah but yeah he's played a lot with Nick Cousins and Eric Halla who are not exactly the type of players you would expect to succeed with Ellie Tolvanen. But Matt Duchesne is. You have to tie... If you tie your success with... If you tie Ellie Tolvanen's success with Matt Duchesne's success, you feel better about each player. You feel better about the, the progression of Tolvanen as a young player. You feel better about that big contract you gave Matt Shane. All of a sudden, you've kind of taken care of two issues at once. But, you know, we'll see. I don't know if that's going to happen. but um, Just wanted to throw that out at the end. Um, so... Um, yeah, so anything else? Um, what, what, Moment of silence for Jared Tenorti? <laughs> yes, uh, moment of silence. Moment of silence for the Boston Bruins for picking up Jared Tenorti. <laughs> I said just good luck, good luck, Boston. That is a bizarre pickup. Someone said it's because of injuries. I guess that's true. I guess they needed to Sure, like, I mean, good body. Good for, you know, Tenorti seems a nice guy. Good for him. He's going
1: to play initial hockey. Happy for him. Yeah, that's that's fine. So,
0: all right, you can check all of our hockey coverage at azsportsnashville You can follow me on Twitter at alex one Follow Link on Twitter at three d link. Any final thoughts, puppy? I'm gonna talk-
1: go hope um, to to let. I'm gonna let the puppy out of her kennel. Hopefully, there's no surprises, and hopefully, she doesn't pee the floor
0: again. There you go. See you guys next week.